0: Engaging Leader, episode 157, The Aspiring Leader, featuring John Lawler. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Is your site set on a new leadership role? Perhaps you're the director of finance and you've just been tapped to become the new CFO. What do you need to change now that your former peers will be reporting to you? Or maybe you're not yet in a position with formal authority, but you know the leadership spot will be open in the near future and you want to position yourself now. How do you get on the radar screen for internal promotion? How do you become the winning candidate? And most importantly, since 40% of new leaders fail in the first 18 months, how do you ensure your success and longevity if you get the job? Today's episode focuses on how an aspiring leader can be successful. Our guest is John Lawler, who is co-author of The New Leaders 100-Day Action Plan: How to Take Charge, Build or Merge Your Team, and Get Immediate Results. John is managing partner of the executive onboarding group, Prime Genesis. They help leaders create and implement 100-day action plans to deliver better results faster. In fact, they've reduced the rate of failure for new leaders from 40% to below 5%. So if you're hoping to step into a new leadership role, this is the episode for you. John, welcome to Engaging Leader.
1: Thank you, Jesse. It's great to be here. John, tell us
0: the story of your own journey with Prime Genesis.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much people know about Prime Genesis, but just to set context a little bit, we are a small and focused consulting firm, and our emphasis is on what we call executive onboarding and team onboarding, where we help leaders and their teams during the first 100 days of complex transitions, such as a leader taking on a new role. And so, just with that as, uh, as context, my experience really began as a client. So, going back about uh, 15 years or so, I was actually one of the first clients of Prime Genesis. I actually hired the firm to help me onboard a new leader who was joining my team. Uh, the business that I was leading acquired a company and I decided to take the CEO of that business into the new parent company. And uh, give that person control over a larger portion, and there was a fair degree of risk and complexity with that. So I tapped into Prime Genesis, and um, really was impressed by their ability to help this leader assimilate um, and converge, and really get their uh, his team behind him in a very short period of time. And then I was a client two other times myself when I was actually going in as a new CEO in two different scenarios um, into kind of mid-sized private equity firms. And then uh, after that, I kind of came out of a a series of those CEO roles, was uh, looking to do something next. I had a passion for leadership and helping leaders, and the opportunity came to join Prime Genesis and become the CEO and um, I've been there now for almost three years. Uh, We now have a firm of 12 partners and um, it's a very exciting time for us.
0: And what areas of the world do you do business?
1: We do business really all over the world. We, most of our partners are physically based in North America, but we do have partners in the UK. We also have uh, advisors and partners in um, Asia, We've done business, a lot of business in Asia, Latin America, Europe. Um, this year we did some business in South Africa. We've done projects projects in India um, and then many, many projects as well in North America.
0: I'm a bit curious about the second, really it was the third time that you engaged Prime Genesis. So the first time you hired them to help one, one of your leaders uh, reporting to you, the second time was for yourself and so it's kind of impressive that you thought it was worthwhile enough that, like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and get this for myself. And then the third time, it seems like they would tell us about. It. it seemed like there would have been a little bit of a feeling like, well, I've been through this once before; I can do this on my own.
1: Right. Um, it was interesting. I I did get the help the first uh, first couple of times as I went into CEO roles, and then uh, went into a company, realized, thinking that I could I could do it on my own. And because I understood the tools, and I was about half right with that. And <laughs> that the, the, tool, <laughs> the tools and the processes made a lot of sense. And some of the things, once you do it you know, three or four times, you get accustomed to it. But I, what I missed out on by not working with Prime Genesis on, that, on one of my CEO roles was the kind of hands on support that the two consultants at the firm bring to bear. And so the the next time around, um, when I when I made yet another change after a few years, uh, I did hire Prime Genesis, and at that point it was it was more for the partners than anything specific about the process.
0: John, I'm wondering about the experience for the rest of the C-suite. If you're coming into a, a new company as the CEO, and you've got a couple of these consultants that are helping you out, uh, is that really? Uh, are they in front of the rest of the C-suite? And does that kind of feel weird to the rest of your team?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, actually, it actually can feel weird at the beginning uh, just because there's a lack of understanding. But we work with our client leader to make sure that we're embedded and introduced um, kind of properly into the process. And unlike an executive coach who is typically, you know, almost 100% behind the scenes, you know, we're really hands-on practical consultants who sometimes are behind the scenes, you know, coaching and helping a leader through a uh, decision, but very often we're actually working with the leader and the team in workshops and in other scenarios that where we're pulling out their knowledge, we're helping them get their points across, because really the whole idea of executive onboarding, is to help that leader align his or her team around a common goal and an action plans that they can execute and win on. And so the team members are very, very involved, and um, it becomes very comfortable and um, and very positive fairly early on in the process.
0: Hmm. Well, let's talk about a couple scenarios and see how you or somebody, one of the other Prime Genesis consultants, would coach an aspiring leader. So, first of all, let's imagine a director of finance who's just been tapped to become the CFO. What do you do first?
1: So, let me just clarify your question. Are you asking what we, Prime Genesis, would do, or what that that newly promoted leader should be doing?
0: Okay, that's a good question. The newly promoted leader.
1: Right. So, really, the first thing that that person should do is thank people. Right. They should thank people up. up and down in their organization because, quite honestly, that person, let's let's say she, was able to get that promotion because of support from people around around her. So, you know, make sure that you're leaving the role that you're in in a very solid um, uh, fashion. So you want to start by thanking the people around you for their help, helping you be successful and move on. The second thing is, and it sounds... maybe simple and maybe not exactly what people would expect is finish strong. You really want to finish strong in the role that you're in. You want to leave a great impression. You want to leave as many things completed as possible and if things aren't completed, you want to make sure that you're handing them off properly and that you're, um, you know, making yourself available to those who are picking up the role uh, for support. So you want to have a continuous sense of ownership for the success of of your successor there, after that, what you really want to do is, is make sure that you're negotiating a little bit of time between your last day as the director of finance and the first day as the chief financial officer. And the reason that you want a little bit of time is so that you can get a plan in place, starting with the number one thing, which is getting a head start before the start. So what's involved in that is sitting down and working out a 100-day action plan. And if a a leader were to be engaged with us, we would spend a half a day with that leader. We would have inputs from that leader's boss and and some peers and maybe the HR team. We'd work out a plan that would cover off on things like, you know, what uh, leadership approach should they be taking coming into the situation, how much change is necessary, what's the readiness for change amongst the team, what are some of the key goals and priorities, we could help them work through stakeholder analysis and then something like this where there's an internal promotion, stakeholder analysis is really important because you're going from a situation as being the director of finance, now you've been promoted to CFO and there's a whole group of people now on the executive leadership team who are now your peers. So you need to re-establish a relationship then, with them, now your peers, you need to understand what their concerns are, what their issues are, how you're going to work together. Um, and secondly, you need to have a learning plan. You need to understand what it is that you need to get up to speed on quickly and whereas as a Director of Finance is exposed to a lot of stuff, you know, nowhere near the same volume and the same complexity of, of, of projects and issues that the CFO will be expected. And then the, the last thing that I'll just mention now, and there's a whole lot more, but the last thing I'll mention now is you really want to find one or two things that you can get done very early on that will be noticeable and that are of value so that people start to look at you as somebody who was a no-brainer for that role. Boy, we brought her on and she got this thing done in the first week, the first month, whatever it is. You want to get some runs on the board early on. Hmm.
0: So it started with negotiating a bit of time, preparation time. Is there a rule of thumb for how much you'd like time you'd like to have before that first day on the job?
1: There's really no rule of thumb. I would say if you're an internal candidate moving moving up, there's probably a little bit less of a need for, for a, a long number of days. I think you want at least a. a A couple of weeks, and when I say this, a couple of weeks between the time that you say yes or that you've been given the job and that you actually have to start the job. So two to three weeks, and it doesn't mean that they're going to let you go and take two or three weeks of vacation, (laughs) which is really not what the point is, but it's more that you now can build into your schedule the time to um, create and recreate some relationships Establish your learning plan. Begin to get your message tight. Um, if it's a, a you know a, a, a business leadership role like a CEO, you might want even more time, particularly if you're coming in from the outside. Um, but the point is to get as much time as you can reasonably afford uh, without you know coming across as somebody who's not eager to get started. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and where do you go in terms of? Picking the, the, couple of, the couple of things you can get done early on, um, how, how do you think through the right places to start there?
1: You should be able to, if you're an internal person, you should, well, let's, let's actually backtrack for a second. Regardless of whether or not you are being promoted internally or coming in from the outside, there will have been a period of due diligence on your own part in understanding what the requirements of the role are um, what some of the priorities are. So, but I think what you want to be able to do is just confirm those top priorities with your boss and with some of your key peers first. Because of, we've seen a bunch of times in the past on the on the negative side where people have come in and they've been running 100 miles an hour at goals, but they've been running in the wrong direction because they weren't completely aligned with the board or their boss, whoever it may have been on what those goals needed to be, what the priorities were. So if you can spend an inordinate amount of time with your boss, with a couple of your key peers, and maybe there's also a couple of people who will be on your team, pinpointing what the the real priorities and urgencies are, that should help you get on the right track quickly. Hmm.
0: So in that kind of scenario, your your book is uh, The New Leader's 100-Day Action Plan. Is there sort of a, can you give us an idea of what the 100 days looks like? Are there different phases?
1: There are different phases. There's really four kind of big ideas that translate uh, conveniently into kind of four phases. Um, The phase one is what we call get a head start. And we were just talking about that um, here, right? Where you'd be um, sitting down, creating a plan, and then working that plan in the days leading up to day one. Phase two, we like to call manage the message, and that has to do with taking control of the agenda for your day one, and then putting in plan a communication, or putting in place rather a communication plan that allows you to do a lot of listening, but also planting some seeds. So, taking control of day one, and we can kind of go back to the importance of your day one and your early days. So you're really making that first impression, where everything that you say, everything that you do communicates. Everything you don't say, everything you don't do also communicates. So you need to be very thoughtful about about that. So that's a we kind of think of that as a phase all by itself, the day one and early days. The third step of the third phase is really around building the team. So you've if you can kind of picture in those first thirty days you've evolved into the organization, you've, you've converged in, you've assimilated in, you've created some relationships, and you've begun to earn the right to lead. By day 30, you really want to begin to pivot the team into the direction that you want to uh, uh, leave them in. And that starts with an imperative workshop right around day 30, that flows right into uh, putting in place a, a process to manage your milestones, um, generate some early wins, do an assessment of your team: Do I have the right roles on my team? Do I have the right people in these roles? And that really brings you through to you know day seventy, day eighty, day ninety, and then the last piece we kind of call it sustain momentum, and this is where you take a step back, you do an assessment whether or not it's a 360 or a self-assessment of how you and your team have done over those first 90 days relative to some of the goals you laid out early on, and then you set in place some plans to evolve your own leadership, to evolve some of your management practices and evolve certain elements of your culture in order to course-correct and continue to, to succeed. So the four things, again, get a head start. Manage the message, build the team, and sustain momentum.
0: Yeah, that seems it's a, that does seem like a very helpful approach. And the, so when you do this, the imperatives workshop, 30 days into it, uh, this, is, this is you and your direct reports planning your strategic imperatives for the, for the next 90 days, it sounds like.
1: Well, actually, it's, it's more of a, of a, of a th- call it a three-year plan. So in those... 30 days in, you should by then know enough to be a little bit more than dangerous on where you want to take the business or the function over the next few years. Now a lot of that work would have already been done and you're kind of getting up to speed, but inevitably when you're moving into a new role, particularly as an executive leader, uh, you're not there for status quo, you're there for change. And so what you're doing in that imperative workshop And this is really a a pivot point in the life of a new leader, is you are co-creating with your team your shared purpose, specifically what that includes is your mission, why do we get up in the morning, your vision, you know, what's the concrete picture of success two or three years from now, your values, your goals strategies that are going to allow you to achieve those goals, and then the who, what, when action plans that you're going to monitor and track to make sure that those strategies are achieved. And then you're going to spend time on communication and what your operating cadence is going to be. So you're going to walk out of this day-and-a-half, two-day workshop having come in with some vague ideas and different perspectives you're going to emerge after two days, and this is something that that we facilitate on a regular basis. You, you as the leader and your team, are going to emerge with a
2: plan that everybody believes in, and um, and also a way to track it. Hmm.
0: I like. I'm glad you said that you're you're co-creating all that stuff because there, there's been so much data that in the last. Uh, two decades really, that that says that it's no longer effective for the leader just to come in with uh, and cast a certain vision. It really needs to be a a co-created, a shared purpose and vision and mission that gets developed together.
1: Absolutely right. Absolutely right. It's really the marriage of the top-down plan that somebody at corporate or the board may have approved with the bottoms-up plan that's actually going to make that plan even better and something that the people who are ultimately responsible for delivering it, um, can believe in. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, let's look at a a second scenario. The person who's not yet in a formal leadership role, but knows that a leadership role will be opening in the not-so-distant future. Um, We just recently heard from a a listener named Sergio. Uh, We've got a big red button on our website, engagingleader.com, for listeners to leave feedback and questions. And uh, we got this, this message from Sergio, and, uh, and it was a, the reason why I, I thought of you, John, and invited you on the show to talk about it. So let's listen to what Sergio asks here.
2: Hey Jesse and team this is um, Sergio Lopez um, from Southern California and I'm a regular listener of your podcast I love um, all the ideas and the expertise and the different fields that you uh, that you bring to this to this conversation about leadership and uh, over the last couple of weeks I've had a question um, sort of simmering in my mind about beginning taking the, the leadership role on a team that you've been part of um, for for quite a bit of time. It's it's something that I think about uh, in terms of uh, you know as a young professional, um, sort of thinking about my future career. What would what would it look like for me to to take on a leadership role on a team that I've been a part of? Obviously, there there could be a lot of challenges in that. And, and it's, so it's something that I've been thinking about, and I wonder if other uh, listeners have been thinking about. So if there's any books or research um, that you think would shed light on that topic, I'd love to listen on that. So thanks for considering that, and good job. Uh, amazing work uh, on everything that you do in this podcast. It, it makes such a difference in my life, and it's, it's always producing food for thought and things to share with colleagues and friends. So keep up the great work.
0: John, in in the follow-up email back and forth with Sergio, I was asking a few questions, and I learned that uh, he is the youngest person on his team and is just wondering what he should do to prepare since uh, his his boss is um, showing signs of of retiring in the not-too-distant future. And so he's seeing that he probably needs to start transitioning himself, Sergio, from just being a team player to a team coach or somehow... um, What would you say to someone in Sergio's shoes? How do you even, first of all, get on the radar screen for internal promotion? I think one of the things you
1: do is just start doing the job, right? Start doing the job that you aspire to. And, you know, what I mean is there are certain tasks, certain uh, projects, I'm sure, that are sitting there waiting for somebody to jump on waiting for somebody to take leadership and, uh, on. So not to do it in an obnoxious way. You clearly want to do it in concert with the way that the, the team culture um, is, is is set up. But jump in and start, you know, wrapping your arms around some of the things that need to get done. And, and you will, number one, you will start to learn more about what it really takes to get things done. Number two, you'll start to, rely more on the team around you beyond your own individual uh, talents. And that's a very important learning because you're not going to get anywhere as a leader unless you've got the team behind you. Uh, and then thirdly, people will start to see you and envision you in that role. And so when you go for it later, um, it will be uh, less of a surprise. So I think that's the first thing I would say is start doing the job. The second thing is... is There's there's no reason necessarily to be shy about it. You know to you know tell your boss. You know listen, I have got aspirations to grow. Um, I I, I like the business. I want to be a leader here. Um, uh, What do I need to do? Uh, What kinds of opportunities are there? What what do I need to do to uh, demonstrate that I'm that I'm ready to take on more? Um, Obviously, you want to do a great job in what you're accountable for. But also, as I said before thinking a little bit more broadly beyond what your day-to-day is. You know, people then start to see you in a different light. Um, And then, um, you know, start to kind of think about things beyond your narrow responsibilities. I think I've said that. But also do a little bit of a check for yourself. So, okay, you're going to do all those things that I just mentioned. But look at the role that you're aspiring into and check to see whether or not you're Strengths and your motivations are a good match for that role, and that in fact the role and, and the team culture is really a good fit for your own cultural preferences. So that may be a bit of a mouthful, Jesse, but I'll stop there and ask if you have any follow up questions.
0: Well, I, I think that's very good advice. I was, as you were talking, I was imagining, not imagining, I was remembering. Back when I was the uh, the youngest person in an, in an entire company, it was a consulting firm of about 115 people, and uh, I was the youngest person in the entire firm and all throughout all the offices, and uh, was in a very similar spot as Sergio, where my my boss was was um, sending signals that that she wasn't gonna be there forever, and. There, but yet I was just a peer. There were several people who could have stepped into that role, and I wasn't, let's say, aggressive that I wanted to elbow anybody out. But I, I did see that I wanted to to grow. Um, and at one point, I remember my that the the, the president of the company had uh, coffee with me one morning and um, asked, you know, what were my plans and so forth. And he actually, while he was asking that question, he said, "Have you ever thought about?" becoming a, a, a leader. And I remember thinking it was absolutely, I told him, but I remember thinking I must be doing something wrong if if, if he's not even aware that I might be interested in that. And so since doing some of the things that you just suggested, doing the work, uh, would, would probably make it a little more obvious that this this person is somebody we should be thinking of as a leader.
1: Absolutely. Because it's not just what you say, it's what you do. So you can say, I want to be a leader. I'm interested in a leadership role, which is fine. You, sh- you should say those things because you want, to, you want to be clear. You want everybody to be clear. At the same time, it's even more powerful is what you do. Boy, I'm looking at this fellow over here, and he's actually doing the job. He's uh, getting things done. He's demonstrating some of those skills already. And, and then just quite frankly, it's, it's who you are. You know, what is it about um, you um, interpersonally, um, personality-wise, your character that is going to kind of exude confidence for those who will be following you? And if you have some of those characteristics, you know, you'll be seen as a leader as well.
0: I remember a a couple of things that seemed to be really helpful for me, and I wonder if it was unique to the field that I was in, or if you'd say it applies in a lot of different fields. But when I... Was the when I was um, doing more public speaking and in internal, both internal and external presentations, just speaking, standing up in front of a of a group of employees or a leadership team on behalf of our department, or just to teach something, uh, that I could tell people, my peers started looking at me differently. With it wasn't just hey, who's this young kid who wants to be a leader? It was, oh, hmm, I guess I could get behind that guy, and the other was more of what I just call like. Maybe thought leadership, but it was ju- really just sharing, like just in the interest of serving, uh, just sharing little things that I had read and uh, or l- otherwise learned just to say, hey, in c- just in case you guys are interested, here's news on this topic or here's a, um, a new model or framework or tips that have been uh, have, or a research study that's just been released. No,
1: I think that I think both of those are, are very good, you know, be Willing to take a public speaking opportunity, you know, whatever it might be, if you're presenting something, uh, it's a great idea. Um, uh, you know, just being someone who is there to serve and there to help others is a very important part of leadership. So if, if you can just truly be and then certainly demonstrate that it's not all about you and your deliverables, but your there to share ideas, you're there to lend a hand, you're always available to be a sounding board or actually dig in and help somebody um, to be successful. Those are the characteristics of a leader, and, you know, by definition, a leader is somebody who's going to have some followers, so people are going to want to follow and be on that first team, so um, I think that what you said there makes a lot of sense.
0: So it wasn't just in that field of consulting that a lot of it would work in a lot of different organizations.
1: Absolutely, you basically
0: Absolutely. start thinking of yourself as a thought leader. Um, from a, I like your, I mean, you basically framed it as part of, with a lens of servant leadership that you're it really should not be about all about you. It's it's how can you be helpful to others and help them succeed, and then you're you're naturally going to start to be viewed as a leader in their eyes.
1: Our uh, chairman has a. Uh, a quote that he likes to uh, to use, which is, uh, and I may get it slightly wrong, but that the real role of a leader is to inspire and enable their team to achieve great things that they care about, right? So, so if you can imagine, you're going to inspire and enable people. You're going to inspiring them, you know, goes to what's our mission and what's our vision and kind of calling to that higher purpose and that level of quality and things that we care about really get somebody to want to do it. And then enabling them is very often removing barriers, and some of those barriers may be internal to the individual. You know, something that they're doing that's getting in the way of their success, something that they're not doing that they could be doing to be more successful. Those barriers could also be external. It could be a process or it could be, Someone else on the team was not aligned. So if you think of inspiring and enabling, those are really key things that we try to get to when we're helping our client to be more successful is how can we get you to a point where you've assimilated, you've converged into the organization, and now your level of confidence is up. But now that you're there, we want you to pivot and get to a point where you're inspiring and enabling your team to do great things that they care about.
0: What do you do if you're still in that phase of your tr- you're trying to get on the radar screen for an internal promotion, and it turns out that there's somebody, one of your peers, that is either not happy that you are sticking your neck out um, or is, is actually... A competitor. I guess there's more than one person who, who wants that job. How do you deal with the, those, the challenges of actually having somebody that isn't all too happy that you are um, putting yourself forward?
1: I think you need to kind of be focused on, you know, being respectful to everyone at all times. Um, and that if you don't get the job, if you will, this time, that you may get it next time. Um, so to kind of maybe... You know ratchet down the intensity level a little bit um, but that that's more to say don't worry so much about internal competition where you want to be focusing on is what are you going to be doing for the people who are going to be making the hiring decision? what kinds of problems are you going to be able to solve for them right um, Why are they going to want to hire you versus somebody else focus more on that and ultimately the people who you'll be leading and yourself rather than someone who may be competitive to the situation and then meanwhile for sure you know you know treat everyone with dignity and respect including that individual who may you know be your potential competitor you know and if something doesn't work out for whatever reason this time you can just count on the fact that most times, that behavior and that approach is going to work for you.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's good advice. So, let's say you've, now, you've made it on the radar screen and the, the, the moment has come, the, the existing boss has retired. How do you become the winning candidate?
1: Well, it, it, we were talking about some of that just now. It's really about demonstrating that you're the right person for the job and specifically That you're going to solve problems (laughs) for the person and for the people making that hiring decision. They're going to look to you as somebody who can get things done that they care about. Right. So if there's a, a a team alignment issue or morale issue or an individual issue that you're somebody who could actually solve that, or if there's a technical issue that needs some leadership to resolve or some Element of working across departments that somebody needs to resolve. But you've got the communication skills and the, and the decision-making skills to get that done. So you need to demonstrate that the things that these folks care about, the folks making the hiring decisions, are things that you can get done. So it's, it's about them, right? It's not about you. So that's number one. Number two is just know that when you're interviewing for the role that there's really only three questions that anybody asks. Can he do the job? Does he want to do the job? And can I stand working with him? (laughs) So so can he do the job relates to strengths, right? Do you have the strengths either from your skills or your background, the things that you're able to do to get the job done? Does he want to do the job? It has to do with your motivation, right? Why, why do we want this job? Is it just for the money? Is it for the prestige? Or is it this is going to get me somewhere? But does he really want the job, or is he just sort of interviewing him for it? Is he going to have a passion and a fire in his belly when he gets it gets there? You know, because if you bring somebody in and they don't love what they're doing, eventually they're going to cycle out. So you need to demonstrate that as well. And then the third question, which is, can I stand working with this person, is really around fit. Is, are you a cultural fit? Right? And obviously, in, if you're talking about an internal promotion, you know, odds are, and, you, and you're being considered for an internal promotion, odds are that you check a lot of the box there about you know, being a cultural fit, whether or not that's how you uh, manage your relationships, whether or not you've got a similar uh, value set to the company. But uh, but you do want to take a look and, and make sure that the group you're heading into and the culture that you're heading into, which may be slightly different from one job to the next, at least the relationships piece um, will be, that those are a fit as well. So if as you go in and you prepare for these conversations and these interviews, you want to be able to not only say, but also do things that demonstrate that you've got the strengths, you've got the motivations that match the requirements, and that you'll be a good cultural fit. So if you can remember those three things as you're going about, what you do and what you say, uh, you'll be ahead of the
0: curve. So if you do get the job, and to sort of ensure your success and longevity is uh, even if you're not let, let's say stepping into the C-suite is a book is your book The New Leader's 100 Day Action Plan a good way to, a good approach for any level of new leader?
1: It is. Um, it really is. We, we tend to focus on executive leaders uh, but many of the same rules apply so it's, it's certainly uh, C-level people but it's also anyone who's got a team can uh, get a lot of value out of out of the book. Uh, we do have a book called First Time Leader as well, um, which is also um, available on Amazon.com. Uh, but many of the tools and the processes and the, and the uh, case studies and stories are in that, you know, uh, New Leaders One Hundred Day Action Plan.
0: Well, John, if someone is listening to this podcast and thinks, "Man, I'd love to get help from." John's team on a 100 day action plan as I enter a new role. What do they need to know about working with Prime Genesis?
1: Well, the first thing is just how to contact us, and that's pretty easy. So I'll just, I'll just throw out a, a couple of things. First of all, so my name John Lawler, L A W L E R. My email address J jlawler at Prime Genesis, one word. And then I'll I'll throw out my, uh, you know, our phone number is 908-578-6207. The other thing you could do is go to the website, which is www.primegenesis.com. And again, if you're looking for uh, a book, um, you can go to amazon.com and and you'll see the New Leader's 100A Action Plan and, and our other books as well.
0: So, uh, and for our guest, for everybody listening, we'll put, uh, all that information that John shared in our show notes for this episode, but so the two books, uh, one is called first time leader and the other is called the new leaders, 100 day action plan. That's right. And, um, is there, so is there anything else? What, what have I forgotten to ask you about? Is there anything else that, that you'd want to make sure you share with somebody who is an aspiring leader looking to step into a new role?
1: Say this: You know, leadership can be thrilling. It can also be uh, very challenging, and it can be lonely. And the sooner that you get a team behind you, the sooner you're going to be successful as a leader. Because you know, up until the day that you get the offer and you start the job, it's all about you and you're fit with the the job. But once you've taken that job and once you've started, it's all about the team. And so in order to increase your chances for success, you need to have that in mind. And in order to, to increase your chances for success, you really need to have a plan. And so I would say, remember that it's all about the team and have a plan starting with getting a head start before the start, and your chances for success will skyrocket. And we've been able to bring failure rates down from market levels of 40% for Hydric's struggles for new leaders within their first 18 months. So Hydric says that new leaders fail in their first 18 months 40% of the time. Over hundreds of engagements around the world, lots of different industries, lots of different roles. We've been able to bring that down to less than 5% for our clients with lots of repeat business along the way. So it's all about the team and have a plan and get a head start.
0: Yeah, that's, that is amazing. I, I guess one question I have is you mentioned the sort of the loneliness as when you're, when you step into that leadership role, um, when, when, when you're going from uh, the, the sort of the team player to the actual team coach and the leader, and these, you're now leading a group that used to be your peers. What do you recommend in terms of how do you relate to those those same people now? Dear, is your relationship with them change in real ways?
1: Well, it does change, right? Because now it does change from a clearly from a work perspective. You're, you know, let's say you're, you're now their boss, right? You're accountable for. Them. Um, you're accountable for the work that they do. They are responsible for the work that they do. Uh, but when you were a peer, you were uh, there, to, there to you know, help, be a peer, um, a, a colleague. Um, now you're there to inspire and enable them. Uh, you weren't necessarily there to inspire and enable them when you were uh, with their peer um, on the line, right, in the individual contributor role. So you know you've got to you know it's a higher order call as a leader and so you know to start kind of behaving that way but you still need to be true to yourself right you still need to be true to your you know to, to who you are and operate uh, the way that you operate but you know you need to uh, also remember what your you know accountabilities and responsibilities are it doesn't mean that suddenly the, you, you stop being friends or you stop doing certain things together but um, but it, it, does, it does change, and I think the way to think about it is you're now accountable for their, their, uh, their results, for their development, and for inspiring and enabling them to do a great job at things that they love. And, and that's very different from being a peer.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's very helpful advice. Well, the book again is The New Leader's 100-Day Action Plan. John Lawler, thank you for joining us on Engaging Leader.
1: Had a great time, Jesse. Thank you very much.
0: All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. As I mentioned before, we'll provide the information and links that John mentioned on our show notes for this episode, which you can find on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash 157 as in episode 157. This is a production of Ask Communications, a consulting firm that specializes in workforce communications. My colleagues and I partner with mid-size and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. In several areas, including talent management, workforce health engagement, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more, find us at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Monica Harrison, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cecily Leahy, our web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real Movers and Shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers.